0: The Bible reading comes from John chapter 15, verses one to eight. So I'll let you find that in your Bibles. These are the words of Jesus. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You were already clean because of the word I spoke to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples.
1: It's great to be here speaking in this commitment series, week three, What Are You Doing? I want to start by talking about history, and in particular, the way on occasion there's been technological breakthroughs that have had massive impacts on the world. And every so often within world history, there's been a technological breakthrough that really has dramatically shaped the world. And you think back in you know, hundreds of years, 1200 BC, the Iron Age came into place because steel was discovered, and it revolutionized. Uh, both uh, the farming, uh, warfare, weapons, tools, etc., etc., when they could make steel. And as you go through history, you can see the way culture has changed significantly at certain points because technology has been invented. And one of the key things that really impacted the church and its capacity to get the gospel out was with the invention of the printing press. Now, you may not know of this guy. His name is Johannes Gutenberg, and he is credited as inventing the first if I can say, modern day printing press. Now, there were some printing, if I can say, machines of some way, shape or form that were invented in China earlier on. But in terms of the modern printing press that mass produced books and pamphlets, Johannes Gutenberg is credited as being the inventor. And the thing about his invention, it was in um, 1450, in the 15th century, it basically unlocked knowledge for the modern world in Europe of that day. And so the ideas, the thoughts, plus the priceless ancient knowledge could now be put down on paper, printed, and distributed in a way that could never have happened before. And one of the great beneficiaries of that was actually us as the church, because up until this point, Bibles were incredibly rare. They literally were the product of the academy. They'd be handwritten and copied. And they weren't able to be mass produced. And there was a young German scholar named Martin Luther who rediscovered the gospel. And because of the printing press, he was able to get his message about faith in Christ for forgiveness of sins and that we're justified by faith alone out to the world. And he nailed his 95 theses on the door of the church at Wittenberg. And that material was printed and distributed. And he came about 60 years after the printing press was discovered in the early part of the 16th century. And because of Martin Luther's works, the knowledge of the gospel was printed and it was distributed and it was preached. And there was this great awakening across Europe as people came to hear the gospel being rediscovered. And the fact that we need to just have simple faith in Christ and repent of our sins and God will accept us. And through that, We can come into the presence of God himself without a priest. And we can know God. And we can follow Jesus and be his disciples. Now I'm going to come back to technological breakthroughs later on in the sermon. But I wanted to start there because what took place then has had a massive impact for us today. Because what we want to look at today is the whole topic of presence. And what I mean by that is being able to be present with God. And we have the incredible gift and benefit of the printing press in that all of us now have our own Bibles to read. And we can be people who individually can be filled with the knowledge of God through the scriptures. And as we think about being disciples And we've classified that as someone who is with Jesus, who becomes like Jesus and who serves Jesus. The start of that journey, and it's a journey we never finish, is by wanting to be people who walk with Jesus and spend time with him in his presence. And I've picked a famous passage to look at to get us thinking about this topic before we think about the habits that go along with this topic of being in the presence of God. John chapter 15. If you've got your Bibles, I'd love you to open up to John chapter 15. Uh, This passage is part of Jesus' farewell speech to the disciples. And it's within a larger section of John 13 through to 16, where on the night before he was about to die, his farewell discourse, he basically teaches them and he prepares them for what is about to happen he is about to leave them and they will have to now take the mission on themselves and in this section of chapter 15 he opens by saying these famous words i am the true vine and my father is the gardener and if you're not familiar with uh, the old testament scriptures jesus is picking up a metaphor uh, a word picture that comes from the old testament that was used to describe the people of God, Israel. And I'll give you a classic one, it's Psalm uh, Psalm 80 and verses 8 and 9. And the Psalmist wrote this, and he's reflecting on Israel, he says, you transplanted a vine from Egypt. In other words, there was a vine in Egypt, you took it out of Egypt, you drove out the nations and you planted it. And he's talking here of Israel. You cleared the ground for it and it took root and filled the land. Now the Psalm also goes on to say, that God's judgment fell on that vine, which is exactly what happened to Israel. And many hundred years later, Jesus comes in John 15 and says, actually, I am the true vine. In other words, I am the true people of God in me. And he says, the people of God are now defined by their relationship to me. It's not by priest and land and temple. It's by personal relationship with me. And so he says, I am the true vine. In other words, I am the true people of God and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And his great desire is that we as disciples are bearing fruit for him. And he says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And in this passage, right through to uh, verse 11 and 12, there's one word that's repeated 10 times, remain. And in the original language, you could translate it, the older translations have it as abide. Uh, It's used earlier in chapter 14 in terms of the father and the son, and it's this concept of dwelling in. And what it means to be is in this close personal relationship whereby we dwell in, we abide in, we remain in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. We must dwell in the Lord Jesus. You cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, when you get down to verses 7 through to 10, The word remain is kind of fleshed out so in verses four to six it's used six times but then in seven eight nine and ten there's a nuance to it let me put up verse seven firstly he said well if you remain in me and my words remain in you ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you in other words the reality of remaining in jesus is in part an experience a practice of having his word actually remain in us dwelling in us filling us and think back with me for those who were listening last week to the beautiful interview with deborah benstead in the spotlight section and her own testimony about her spiritual practices and i loved what she said about bible reading she said look i don't so much as read the bible though she's doing that she said what i'm really doing is feeding on the scriptures she's allowing the scriptures to dwell in her And feed her and fill her. And friends, that's what Jesus is talking about here. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be given you. In other words, as his word, uh, if I can say, shapes us and fills us, it empowers us in our prayers such that God is going to hear them and answer them. But then in verse 9, there's another nuance about dwelling or remaining in Jesus he says this as the father has loved me so have I loved you now just stop and think about that the Lord Jesus was loved and is loved eternally by the father and he said just as the father loves me I have loved you you never miss out when it comes to walking with Jesus He said, so now remain in my love. In other words, know that you are loved in the most profound of ways. In the same way the Father loves me, I loved you and I love you. Now remain in that love. And the beautiful thing about Jesus' love is it is strong. When you are in Christ, no one can take that away. When you are in Christ, you cannot be separated from His love. It's an incredibly strong love. It's a forgiving love as well. There is no sin that cannot be forgiven through the love of Christ with His shed blood on the cross. It's an incredibly compassionate love that calls anyone and everyone to come and receive from Him. It's an enduring love that will last all the way through to the new creation when He returns victorious as the King of Kings. And friends, we get to live in that love. And he says, I have loved you. Remain in my love. And then he says, if you keep my commands, you remain in my love. In other words, as his love fills us, it strengthens us to obey him and to obey his word. And so dwell in it, live in it, remain in it and obey as a result of it just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And so if we are to become like Jesus, if we are to walk with Jesus, if we are to serve him, what we need to do, Jesus says, is remain in him. And that is the key to being with Jesus, remaining in him, in his word, and in his love. So let's stop And think about what we're learning in this series and apply that to this very important topic of being in the presence of God and spending time with Jesus the call for the disciple is as we've said to be with Jesus to become like Jesus and to serve Jesus in the world and the model for transformation that Nathan put up for us last week so very helpfully is this all of us are influenced in three different ways And these three different influences shape our life and transform us. It's the stories we believe, the kind of the big picture. But secondly, it's the company we keep. And we absolutely are affected and we affect others in how we relate together. That's our culture. But thirdly, it's the habits that we form within that context. And what we're wanting to do is to have our lives shaped by the gospel and to believe the big story, Jesus' story. And with the company we keep, be influenced in a way that is going to help us be with Jesus, become like Jesus and serve him in the world. And individually to start forming habits that enable that to take place and to eliminate habits that are actually unhelpful in that transformation. And so what's the big gospel story for us here in terms of being in the presence of God? Well, it's the fact that God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has come into the world. And through his death and resurrection has called us into his family. And by faith and repentance, we come and we dwell in his presence. It's incredible. And as we've seen here, what he says is, I want you to remain in me, dwell in me. And in particular, in my word and in my love. But the thing about practising the presence of God is that to do that, you need to be fully present we need to eliminate distractions. And I don't know if you've been in meetings or talked to people when you just feel they're not present with you. They're thinking about something else. They're looking at someone else. And if we're to be people who are being with Jesus, we need to learn to practice what it means to be fully present with him and to walk with him every day I mentioned at the start that there was a major technological breakthrough that massively impacted us for good in the gospel with the printing press. It put Bibles in everyone's hands so that we can spend time with God individually knowing his word. And as a result, having his love dwelling in our hearts by faith as we know the Lord Jesus. But there was another major technological breakthrough that took place just 13 years ago. And it has also massively impacted, not just the church, but the entire world. It was in 2007. I wonder if you can know what I'm thinking about. It was, in terms of thinking about presence, the iPhone. And in January of 2007, uh, the now late Steve Jobs released the iPhone version 1, which you can see there on the screen. And it wasn't the first ever smartphone developed and released, but the iPhone, no doubt, is the one that really was the game changer. Because for the first time, with one device that you literally touched with your finger, you had a device that you could make phone calls with. You had a device that you could text people with. You had a device that you could email from. You had a device that you could just browse the internet. And you think about the developments, that was the iPhone 1, we're now up to the iPhone 12. And you can pretty much do anything and everything with the iPhone, phone calls, texts, social media, videos, photography, banking, order food. I've even got a friend who's got a farm out in the country, it's kind of a hobby farm, and when he's away, with his phone, he can control the watering system in his orchard, it's incredible. And so there's lots of good things that have happened because of this. And because of their popularity, 90% or 89% of Australians now own one of these things. In other words, the market is saturated. Now, whether it's an Apple phone or a Google, Android, it doesn't matter. The smartphone's taken over. But here's the thing to know, because even though there's lots of positive things, there's also a dark side to them. And there's an addiction that has developed with them. A study was done just a couple of years ago and the typical cell phone user now touches their phone on average 2,617 times. That's the typical user. They found that with the top 10% of users, they touch their phones 5,400 times every day. Now a touch might just be a different text swipe or letter when you're texting. But to give you a different way of looking at it, Apple recently confirmed their device users, in other words, anyone like me with an iPhone, will on average unlock their phone 80 times in a day. And so if you take a 13-hour period, that is unlocking your phone on average every 10 minutes. I was joking about this with uh, Dave Endormana, the fact that, when the phone is in my pocket, I can just feel it there. And even when it's not there, my leg sometimes thinks it's buzzing. And here's the scary thing. I'm on one side of the screen, but there's a whole world on the other side of people who've developed apps that are on my phone that want my attention. And they send me messages all the time to try and get me on this thing. They're called notifications. And the phone just buzzes and it's saying touch me touch me pick me up and what do we do we pick them up and all of us have this habit where we just why am i looking at my phone we just pick it up we look at it i'm sick of it what's the end result We are connected as a world like never before, but at the same time, we're distracted as a world like never before. And these photos I'm gonna put up, you just see it everywhere. And I said two weeks ago, up in the workers' lunch area, 30 years ago when I worked as an engineer, I've worked in sheds like that and been in the lunchroom, full of conversation, this time, silence people flicking their screens and it's not just young people here's one with some older people on their phones and you see everyone is staying connected but at the same time we're disconnected and the scary thing is this and it's the paradox of the smartphone you can be in four five six places at once in the same time but the reality is you're in no place in any of those times and you're nowhere while you're everywhere And it's because we're distracted. And that's the problem of the iPhone. And it's massively impacting our capacity, not just spiritually, but in all things, to concentrate, to focus. And when it comes to the important issue and area of our lives of being in the presence of God, to be fully present with God and not distracted. Which leads me to habits. What are the habits that we need to develop so that we are present with God and we live in his presence? Well, there may be many things that you need to eliminate, but I want to say to all of us, do have a look and a think about the habits of distraction that take you away from consciously, knowingly spending time with God and being with Jesus and being... In his presence. Because there's numbers of things that we need to practice. One is feeding on the scripture and having a time each day to feed on the word of God. And let me say one of the things that encouraged me uh, from those people who put in their responses in the habit survey at the beginning of this two weeks ago was that pretty much everyone is having a go at trying to read the Bible and pray. Now, for some, it was only one day a week for Others, it was every day. But what I want to say to us is this, whatever your habit is currently, think about how you can improve on that and grow in that habit of spending time in the Father's presence with Jesus, dwelling on his word and his love for you. And if it's one day a week, try two days a week. If you are at the other end of seven days a week, well, maybe a couple of times in the day that you start the day and end the day with scripture and prayer. Another thing is silence and solitude. In this crazy busy world, I think one of the things that we struggle to do is actually to have some peace and quiet and to actually just have some silence and solitude with God. Many of you know I love to go fishing and often on a Friday I'll be out in my boat. And one of the reasons I go is to catch fish and I love catching them, but another reason is just to get some silence and solitude and I take my earbuds, I plug them in, and I'll just have worship songs playing as I'm buzzing along, cutting through the waves, the wind in my hair, praising Jesus. And it's just a beautiful thing to do. And it just refreshes my soul. And a couple of times uh, each year I've tried to get away and just actually have some time alone. And I know everyone can't do that. Uh, There is a sense, a great privilege being able to do that as a minister. But let me just say, if you can, I would strongly encourage getting away for a day even to just be quiet and have silence and solitude and be with Jesus in his word, reflecting on his love for you. And there's lots of other ways that you can practice private worship with the Lord Jesus. And in our small groups, there's lots of suggestions there. But I said at the start of the series, what we need to do if we're to grow and be transformed, and to build godly habits is actually be honest about where we're at. And I was thinking about that for my own life. And what did I need to be honest about? And it was actually my phone. And I realized as I've sat and reflected in the last two weeks, that there are some very unhelpful habits that I've got with it. And you can see my frustration with it. I've thrown it away this afternoon. And I've made a resolution to do two things and to start two new habits. One is I'm going to keep the phone out of the bedroom. Now, my wife is saying hallelujah. But I realized that effectively I was starting the day and I was finishing the day, not with the word of God and prayer, but with my newsfeed, and what was happening in the world and what was happening in the country and what was happening in politics and what was happening in sport. And I thought, is this really how I want to start the day and finish the day? And so I have taken it out of the room. I've got an alarm clock installed so that I can get up on time. And I'm going to leave it downstairs. And what I'm wanting to do now is start the day and finish the day with the word of God and prayer and read and devotional material. And It's not that I wasn't doing that, let me say. But it's that I want to top and tail the day that way may it be my first waking thought and my last sleeping thought but secondly i've discovered the do not disturb button because one of the things that was happening was i basically was being captive to what was happening on my phone and the phone calls and the texts and i have just now turning on the do not disturb button and i'll check my phone through the day but i'll have blocks of time where i'm not distracted and it's not on And the thing I've discovered is, actually, most things aren't that urgent. Most things really are not things I need to get to that second. Now, occasionally there is. But I'm trying to practice being fully present wherever I am and not let the phone distract me. And so let me finish by asking the question, what are you doing? As we think about building godly habits as growing disciples. So that we practice being in the presence of God by being with Jesus. What are you doing? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, give us a, just a courage to reflect on our own lives and what we are doing, what we need to change, what habits we need to eliminate, what we need to build in so that we've got godly habits that enable us to be in your presence and to be with Jesus every day. Give us that strength and courage and resolve in Jesus' name. Amen.